0: Welcome to the Poet Delayed podcast. My name is Scott Edgar. I'm your host. Um, I would, uh, as always, like to just thank all of you who've taken your time to listen to earlier episodes and those of you who've given me some feedback. I appreciate that as always. Um, I have a guest with me today, uh, Ryan Thomas. He's an old friend of mine. He's well, not old. He's a lot younger than me, but I've been <laughs> I've known him for a long time. So I've uh, probably what almost 23 years now, 22 and a half years, I guess. Um, anyway, so, uh, we've been friends for quite a while and we've always, we got along really well right off the bat, I, as I recall, as soon as you started doing what I asked. <laughs> so, um, and so he is, uh, he's married, he's got two kids and he is a teacher at, uh, it's American Prep Academy, American Prep Academy. And he teaches 12th grade the, primarily.
1: Yeah. The, uh, primarily. 12th grade AP classes, mainly.
0: Okay. So he's a smart kid. I mean, you've got to be smart to teach the AP classes.
1: Or you got to be smarter than they are. Okay. That's, that's good <laughs> to know.
0: Um, and so anyway, he's joining me today, and I am going to read my poem today called Your Father's Son. Um, I'm going to go ahead and just read that and then talk about it, and then he and I will get in a conversation and, and, and see where it goes. Okay, so it's Your Father's Son. It reads... Your soul was large. It needed to consume newness again and again. But the Chicago frontier hemmed you in. You couldn't expand. So you crossed the cold, impersonal Atlantic to the hot, exploding Italian front, where death nearly took you. It was simple, you said. You, kn- you looked at it and knew. But you consumed it and moved, gaining immunity, it seemed. For death couldn't take you on its own, though it tried again and again. But it couldn't take you until Ketchum, where your father's shadow waited. Um, So this poem, a lot of you probably can recognize. It's a poem about Ernest Hemingway. He's, uh, uh, I'd probably say he's my favorite writer. Um, He and Dostoevsky kind of uh, go back and forth, but they're completely different styles. And, uh, I just, I just, uh, I've always loved, I've always been drawn to him ever since I read A Clean, Well-Lighted Place at a short story in high school. And then, uh, of course, Old Man of the Sea. And I've always, I've always enjoyed it. And then of course, you know, you had this persona of Hemingway as this macho man, he's hunting, he's fishing, he's, um, ladies man. Uh, so I've always just kind of been drawn to him, his persona and, I just love the way he writes. He, he called his technique the uh, the iceberg technique, where you don't give a lot of detail. You just, you know, most of the icebergs beneath the ocean, and he just gives the top, and then you kind of fill in the rest with what you know. Yeah. And I love how that how how I I, I like that. I, I like that a lot. Anyhow, um, so I wrote this because I was I I I knew that he had. Well, first of all, he's, be, he's, large, he's always been larger than life in my mind, and so I, you know, he's large. Uh, he needed to consume newness again and again. He was born in Oak Park, just just outside of Chicago, and same, same town where uh, Frank Lloyd Wright lived, actually. Well, oh, okay. Yeah, I went out there a couple of years ago, 2016, actually, when the Cubs were in the World Series, um, and went out to Oak Park and visited Frank Lloyd Wright's studio house studio and then went to Hemingway's. So, but I think Hemingway's is the more famous of the two. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, you know, this is about him. He, when he, I think he was 19, he, he volunteered, uh, to go to World War One. He wanted to get away from home and he, you know, almost was killed there. A mortar exploded in, in, next to an ambulance that he was driving. And, um, and then, uh, he had a number of near-death experiences in his life. Well, like in Africa, he had uh, he was in two plane crashes in two days, <laughs> right after each other, <laughs> where they confirmed
1: he was dead. Yes. Then. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yes. He he. The newspapers said that he was dead, but he was very much not dead. Um, and then, but there are other uh, instances as well where he almost died. I you know I watched this Ernest Hemingway biography, uh, and you did as well, Ryan. Okay. On. PBS the Ken Burns one, and there was a lot of interesting information there
1: one like, of the things that I thought was uh, surprising to me is that well not way surprising it probably wouldn't surprise very many people but his favorite president was Teddy Roosevelt right and so that's and I was uh, that's my favorite president and so when you when you look at uh, Hemingway it's very Roosevelt like personality this mm, kind of like yeah. a, this bulldog uh, tenacity that mm-hmm. he had um that was, uh, the the comparison was was pretty close when it came to a lot of the personality traits.
0: Lots of bravado.
1: A lot of bravado. A lot of yeah. hunting. Yeah,
0: a lot of, a lot of hunting. B- well, one thing, one story, and I'll get back to this poem here, but we're talking about this one story that I thought was interesting because he covered, you know, the Spanish Civil War. Yeah, that's where um, for whom the bell tolls comes from. That. Um, well, he was in World War One. That's where um, a farewell to arms comes from. Mm-hmm. That. And then he, uh, But he also covered World War II, and he was actually in one of the landing craft. <laughs> yeah. But, but he, they didn't let him storm the beaches, but he was in one of those landing crafts. And then there's also—and st- he, he knew personally one of the generals. Do you remember that yeah, story? Yeah, yeah. And, and there's this, this quote, the general, he's saying that he's watching the men on this offensive, his soldiers moving forward. And then I don't remember the exact language, but he says that he sees this movement, and he can see Hemingway— moving with the other soldiers (laughs) forward. And then he says, and I look and I see that he is carrying a rifle and he's using it. So here he is, a journalist, and I guess
1: back- a total, like, a big no-no. Yeah, a big no-no, journalists,
0: you don't don't do that. But he's like, I'm Ernest Ernest Hemingway, I'm gonna, and so he's (laughs) he's like shooting at the enemy, but, and then he almost died there because he took someone's motorcycle, and he was going like, I don't know, behind enemy lines, Mm -hmm. and a mortar blew up close to him, and launched him into the bushes. Severe concussion again. Yeah. Lots of concussions in his life. And he said that it was. I mean, he was the the peril that he was in. Uh, he could hear the, the the Nazi soldiers like he could hear them talking. That's yeah. and he's just hunkered down in the bushes. He had
1: to lay, wait till night to be yeah. able to get out of there. And then there's the part uh, where he was. Uh, he's in Paris and he was. They had, they were liberating Paris and the, mm. the French lady yeah. comes to us comes to him. There's some Nazi soldiers in the basement, and he just tosses some grenades oh, yeah. down there. <laughs> it's like I'm not there anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of bravado. Simple solution.
0: Um, anyway, so he, you know, so in the poem here, I says that you know death couldn't take you on its own, though it tried again and again, but it couldn't take you until Ketchum, um, where your father's shadow waited. Now his his father actually committed suicide. And I believe his grandfather did as well. His father yeah. used his—Hemingway's father used his grandfather's Civil War pistol. Oh, you're kidding. No, sh- and he, he killed himself, a gunshot wound to the head. And I, I guess there's depression that runs through the yeah. Hemingway family. It's genetic, I guess. And and so, you know, uh, so the part in this poem where, he, you know, death couldn't take you until catch him, you know, basically— <laughs> death couldn't do what it does until you lent a hand,
1: you know? It's interesting, though, because I was thinking, like, he was such an alcoholic when he committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, it must be this mixture of alcoholism and depression. But technically, I mean, his dad committed suicide. and He was a teetotaler. Yeah, he he, he did not drink at all. Yeah, uh, He just was, he gets, he would hit by these dark, you know, spells um, mm-hmm. that would just drag him down. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and... um you know, there's some speculation that all of those concussions, yeah, contributed to it. I don't know that we'll ever know.
1: You see it a lot with athletics, you yeah. know, where people get hit in the head too many times and it destroys their, you know. Well, it, it definitely toward the end of his life, it destroyed his ability to write. Yeah, and that's it. That's everything.
0: Yeah, that was uh, that was kind of it was sad to read. Yeah, but you know, he still busted out "Old Man in the Sea." Yeah, and that was uh, that's I love that book. Um, anyhow, and so. You know, death couldn't take him until catch him, where his father's shadow waited, and he just, you know, Jeez. took his favorite shotgun. And it's, it's sad. I mean, I told you this, but when that <laughs> um, was really emotional for me at the end of that, just uh, you know, to see this man, because he wasn't, he wasn't his persona. I mean, he was no. not what he made himself out to be. I mean, he he's very sensitive. Very sensitive. In fact, his one son. Who's, I believe still alive, yeah. Patrick.
1: They're they interviewing him. Yeah, so.
0: and um, he says that his dad was a um, a good dad. Yeah, he said in that do- documentary, his dad was a good dad. I mean, um, but I, I think that uh, you know, so so you that documentary was, was pretty powerful, and in, um, in that sense, for me. But it also it showed you that he could be also very cruel. Yeah, he could be very cruel.
1: Well, you remember he was, one of the things that I thought was interesting was he lied. He'd make up stories all the time. I mean, and not even as like, as an author, like he would make up things that he did. And if you try to get into his head, you you can tell that there's a part of him that he's trying to be something that he's not. Um, And maybe he's trying to be, you know, very brave and and Mm -hmm. tough and stuff like that because he sees his own, you know, sensitivity and. Maybe weakness in certain other areas.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting. One thing that stood out to me because he because it, it kind of it dealt on that quite a bit. But it, like when he came back from World War One, yeah, you know, people wanted to talk to him, and so he would go around telling stories, and the stories got bigger <laughs> yeah. and bigger and it's bigger and stuff. Story, yeah, and stuff that didn't even happen. He's yeah. telling stories as if it happened to him. And and one thing though that 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 I thought was instructive was his relationship with his mother. And I don't really want to. I don't. I'm, she was very. Strict. And in fact, I remember even saying, like when he was older, like when he was 18, 19, 20, she wrote him a letter. I don't remember all of it, but basically it was our relationship is like a bank account. I mean, it's very transactional. <laughs> you know, up until this point, I have been making all the deposits. Now you need to start making deposits. Uh, it's a very transactional, cold relationship.
1: Yeah. And um, can you imagine having that conversation with one of your kids? No. Hey, I've I've put a lot of love into you. Mm-hmm. I I want to I want to get a you know good return. Yeah, good return on my a
0: good on my investment. return on this investment. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, it's 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 not unconditional, that's for sure. And so, and I know that impacted him. I mean, from the documentary, they talked about it. You yeah. Know, in fact, he blamed his mother for his father's suicide. Yes. And I I don't know, you know, I'm not one. I can't judge whether that's true or not. But in Hemingway's eyes. He was upset at her because of that. Um, so I wonder how much of that went in, like, um, trying to be something bigger because of his mother or something. I don't, I don't know.
1: I mean, there's, if- there's no question that there's something that came out of that, right? Something yeah. that, I mean, he was, he, he was driven to do these pretty incredible things. Mm-hmm. And then all of the stories about him that are personal relationships were very, you know, um, kind of caring and, and sweet in, in a lot of situations, mixed with <laughs> cold, heartlessness, cold, mean. Yeah, so yeah. like it was, Yeah, I don't know if it was, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to analyze these personalities, you know, what, however many years after.
0: We should have Freud on with us next time. Ah,
1: yes, let's do
0: that. We'll do a Bill, and, a Ted's. Bill and Ted's. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, um, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about. You know, because he he had a good relationship with his father. You know, obviously, this poem is called Your Father's Son, and, you know, that's um, alluding to his father's suicide and his suicide. Uh, But what I learned in the documentary is that he had a a pretty good relationship. I mean, he he thought really highly of his father for a long time. Um, I think there, I don't remember exactly, but it seemed like that, kind of faded after a while or or something but
1: I think he saw him I think he was embarrassed by his weakness in a lot of ways yeah Um, yeah, yeah. but as he got older I think as you as everybody gets older they start understanding their parents more um, as people as opposed to the you know the authority figure but it seems like he there There's part of him that went okay I'm starting to understand this depression part you know toward later in his life
0: yeah and and to your point like as I've become a father you know five kids i i now i I look at my fathering you know my being a father and i and i look back at my dad being a father and um i mean you've got two kids i've got five kids and
1: are you bragging i I just want
0: people to know that i'm two and a half times (laughs) more of a father than you gosh dang it yeah um but i just you know like you said it as you get older, even if you don't have kids, even if you're not a father, you do start to see the humanity in your your parents, these people you used to idolize. When I was a kid, I thought everybody, all the adults in my family were, like, sharp. I thought, man, who could have a better family than this? You know, my grandma and my <laughs> yeah. granddad and my, all my aunts and uncles. And and then as you get older, you realize, oh, wait yeah. a second. You know, because your world's so small and, you know, what you understand and it, you know, and and I know I've, you know I've talked to other people about this, so it's 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 not a it's not unique to me and you to, to have that. But um, I'm interested. Like I know your dad, and you know Father's Sunday Father's Day is coming up all, this Monday, by the way. Just okay, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Have to remind order your kids. something. Yeah. Oh no, I said remind your kids. Oh, remind my kids. <laughs> yeah, <"Hey, laughs>
1: uh, this is a transactional yes, relationship, transactional. guys. Transactional.
0: Um, but so I know your dad, and I've always been impressed by your dad. I, I feel like. I feel like your dad's my friend. Yeah, you know, right. he treats me that way, and um, I actually haven't seen him in a while. But he's always, in fact, I remember he came and took like so, some pictures for my my law firm. Yeah, your website. website. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so I'm interested in in your relationship with your dad because I've got my relationship with my dad, and I look at your relationship with your dad, and I see your relationship with your dad. In a much different light than mine, yeah. And so, I don't know if I should ask you questions or if just kind of give you free rein and just kind of talk to me about. Well, I guess what I'm curious is, like, when you th- look back at your relationship with your dad, are there certain, are there certain attributes or or, or uh, things that he did, you know, ways that he responded to you that you feel feel were particularly Impactful on you, both negatively and
1: positively. Um, <clears throat> it's funny. We started talking about this, and, and I, I started running, you know, things through my head about my dad. Like, what do I remember? It's funny how bad your memory is mm-hmm. now that I'm 42. Uh, you know, trying to remember, uh, was it instances? I know how I feel. Uh, my dad, like, I, I have a lot of friends that have parents that they still can't really have conversations with, and that's the opposite with my dad. I think I've always felt. He's always been a guy that I, I felt comfortable venting to. You know what I mean? I'd yeah. go, I'd go to him, and I'd, I'd, even if it was about something that, like maybe, bugged me about him or something like that, we would we would have conversations. There's never been that. There's never been that um, you know concern about having a conversation with him. So that makes it. I think that that makes him this safe space to have to have thoughts. I mean, I've, I've, I've had thoughts where I've, you know, you know, I, uh, you know I've criticized religious things or, mm-hmm. or whatever. that I've, done, I've gone completely against maybe what he thinks in this discussion. And he just would sit back and have, we'd have a conversation. He'd like, and, he, and he'd calmly say, hey, well, you know, we we'll think about it from this perspective. He'd give me some perspective. Uh, but I'd say that probably the biggest part of our relationship is that for years... I could go and I could talk about anything I wanted, um, and he he could usually tell if I was blown off steam or or we'd have or go into a great discussion, you know. And so, that component of communication was, is probably the most important part of our relationship now.
0: Did you ever feel like he thought of you as just just like this? This little kid, like this nuisance, or I just got to give him a... I guess no, ask, no. I get yeah. I get what let me can. ask you a different question. Let me ask you a different way. Did he ever give you like just uh, BS answers? Like just like yeah, yeah. Hey dad, why are the stars twinkle? Oh, it's just pixie dust, son. Or did he ever give you any like just BS just to get you off? See, this is uh, where I get. This track. is
1: where I wonder about my own memory because I would assume maybe, but I don't remember ever. I don't remember that ever being the case. I mean, like for example, I, I could be a little bit of a headstrong kid, so when I wanted to like talk, maybe it wasn't the right time, and he'd mm-hmm. you know, be, hey, you know, we've got right. company over or whatever, you know, the situation was. But I don't have any memories of that.
0: Well, I but, think I think that's instructive. I mean, I think yeah. that uh, you know we, well, I, I guess not always. I, I was going to say I think we have memories of the things that are most prominent in our lives, but I guess that's not always the case. I mean. Sometimes when things are really traumatic, then we kind of we do forget them. But I can't imagine that it would be that yeah. traumatic that you'd forget it. But um, so do you feel like I, I guess do you feel like um, so it sounds like you felt like you could talk to him without like ha- having judgment. Like you could no, have concerns, yeah. yeah, and say, Dad, this is an issue with me. Or issue I'm, I'm concerned about this, and you could go talk to him, and he would say, Oh, sit down. You guys can yeah. have a conversation
1: about it. Oh yeah. And the, the interesting thing is I. And I don't know how you do this. This is where you go. Okay, I know how I feel. Mm-hmm. And the question is, if I wanted to mimic that with my kids, would I know what to do? You know. But um, definitely, how I would feel is that like the words that came out of my, out of my mouth were never like him trying to dis- de- determine. Oh, that's Ryan. It's just a thought that I was having at the time. Right, that's good. Hey, you know, like, like next week, I, I literally have had this conversation where I go, hey, you know that conversation we had last week? You know what? I thought about it. I don't think that anymore. You know what I mean? And, and it was just a concept of like, hey, yeah, you can talk about anything you want. And I'm not, I'm not pigeonholing you and saying, hey, this is, you're defining your characteristic. You're defining your personhood when you make those statements. I can say whatever I wanted, which means I probably said a lot of stupid stuff. And he either rolled his eyes in and, and his head or, you know, or laughed and then came back and then I came back another time and went, huh, thought about that. I mean, mm-hmm. we could, when I was at the U, the U is incredibly liberal. Right. And so I'd come home with, with often really liberal ideas from a, you know, a 20 year old, 22 year old's uh, mind of, of hearing one sided political beliefs and he would, he would Argue with—I mean, we discussed. It was—it was, it was fun. Like when I say argue, I don't mean it in the way that if anybody else saw it, they'd say, "Yeah, that's arguing," but that's just us <laughs> having fun talking. Um, but we'd argue about it, and uh, and I'd, you know, you know, sometimes walk off in a huff, and then the next day be like, "You know what? That was—I probably was, you know, I probably was a little over the top on that part." And and it kind of—I—I it, 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 I think it's like you're a—you're a writer. I would consider you a writer. Um, thank you <laughs> I, would, I would it's <laughs> impressive but it's like you know how you 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 often have to put thoughts down on paper to have them digest like yeah. to have them you know okay what do i think about this i think i did that a lot with my dad where i would just like let a lot of thoughts out throw them all out there and then just determine okay what what do i actually think about that so i mean when it comes to academic like intellectual growth that was a big part of the relationship with my dad and I
0: I I think that's vital in fact I was talking I I think being able to either write write them down but to be able to get out of your own head and to have somebody who you feel safe with talking about these issues I think that is vital like essential to developing as a person because otherwise you know all you have are your opinions and you're trying to figure it out by stuff that you've heard. But oh, when you yeah. get it out there, you can speak it and you can hear something come back. I tell my kids all the time, I said, listen, you don't ever have to be scared alone. You don't have to be worried alone. If there's something that bothers you, come and talk to me. Yeah. You know, I'm not, you know, cause I feel like when I was a kid, I didn't have that. I didn't feel like I could. So I was in my head all the time and you know, you know, We have that term echo chamber. You know? yeah. I, I was in my head trying to figure stuff out all the time. Like, is this like, I remember stuff like, wait, do, is this, I mean, I, I, there were some things I had in my mind like, is this in the Bible? Like, like, <laughs> yeah. I, I was trying to figure yeah. out, is this like covered in the Bible? And, and, and I couldn't, so, and rather than just going and having a conversation, because yeah. I didn't feel like I could. I didn't feel like it was you, okay. Like, so when I was
1: when I was a kid and I would think like when I say I felt like I could talk to my dad about anything, I don't know if I actually thought that or if I just went into the motion. Like like if I sat back and thought, can I talk to my dad about anything? Would I answer myself, yes? Or would I just was it just how the relationship was? Did you think, like when you were young, did you go, I can't talk to somebody about that?
0: No, I I never had that thought. I just it was a feeling. Yeah. It was just I didn't feel um I think I've, I've shared the example like uh, in another episode. Shortly after my mom died, we had moved from Germany to Utah, and I, I couldn't sleep for a period of time. I don't remember how long it was, three plus weeks, I don't know. And so I would lay there in bed, absolutely terrified.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Everybody's asleep, house is dark got To the point where I was going to bed like at five or six, hoping to fall asleep before everybody else. But all that all that happened was I just laid awake listening to everybody else go to sleep. Is and it was you when you're like 10, 10, 11, yeah, yeah, like that? Ten, 10 years old. And I was terrified, but the idea didn't ever come to me that hey, could my grandma lived with us for a little while because mm-hmm. my dad was on TDY temporary duty in the Air Force. And my dad was, there. I didn't have the thought like, hey, go talk to your grandma or mm-hmm. go wake your brother up. Go, I didn't feel like. It's not that I didn't think I could. It's not like I had this. I processed this thought that, you know, you'd like to talk to somebody, yes, but, but I'm not allowed. To. It, it just yeah. didn't even dawn on me like that sure. was an option, hmm. you know, because it was. You know, I didn't feel like that was. Yeah, uh, uh, as I've thought a lot about it lately, you know, in this last year or so, a couple of years maybe. Um, I think I'm understanding why I felt that way now, just with, you know, my, my relationship with my dad was much different than yours. Sure. And, uh, wasn't a lot of, I'd never felt like I could just have a conversation with him about something, conversations that I had with him. I would put together like, uh, I wanted, it was basically, it was almost like I was a it was a, it was a conversation made up of cheerleading for him. Yeah, if that makes sense. Um, I remember, and, and I wanted him to be happy with me. I mm-hmm. wanted to please him. I, like when I was again, when I was ten years old, I remember making this list of to dos. Like and I like okay, every week I'm going to exercise for thirty minutes a day. Uh, maybe it's eleven. Yeah. I exercise for thirty minutes a day. I'm gonna read scriptures for thirty minutes a day, and I'm going to like these. These goals that I thought, hey, these are like laudable go- goals, you sure. know. These are, and I, I remember going up and say, "Dad, let me read this to you." I've got, and that's why I presented that. Uh-huh. I'm just trying to have him look back on me and and think, "So proud of, well him. done, good son. Job. well done, son, well yeah. done." And and I, I frankly, I mean, it wasn't just with my dad. I that I, I look back and I think, okay, I did that with a lot of adults because I wanted an adults, I wanted their approval. Well, that's the, yeah. That's how I.
1: The positive feedback too. The positive feedback is what the pat on the back.
0: Yes, that I needed that at that point because that's kind of where I got my value and my worth from. But so with my dad, I wasn't. I never developed a uh, a relationship with him to which I could, or in which I could, really share openly with how I I felt about things. Like I could never go and have a conversation with him about um, some point of contention or controversy. (laughs) Would not happen. Would not happen. You can do that with
1: my dad if you want. I, <laughs> I've blood. done that with him. Yeah.
0: I have talked to him about that. that. But, you know, and so I'm, I'm, you know, trying to work that out now with yeah. my dad. And, and uh, right now it's um, kind of a cooling off period. But, you know, I'll re engage. And so that, but so I look at, I look at your rela- what you've explained with your relationship with your dad. And the, did you feel like you could, like, if you were upset at your dad? You were mad at him. Did you feel like you could go express that to him?
1: Oh, my gosh. I, I, I was probably so obnoxious because I, w- I don't think... If I was upset with my dad, I don't think I would sit back and go, I'm upset at my dad. I would probably be there talking to him. I'm mad. I'm mad about this. You know, I, I probably was a pain in the butt.
0: See, I don't even remember feeling upset at my dad. Yeah. Uh, and... Yeah, it's, it's interesting for you to say that because yeah. I don't remember... F- and I know there were a lot. There were a lot of reasons for me to be upset at my dad, but at the time, I didn't feel it. Mm-hmm. It didn't. Um, I was. I must have just been too busy trying to. You know, avoid a chaotic relationship. Yeah. You know, trying to keep the peace, and so that would not keep the peace. I
1: when I think about, but I don't really have very many memories of being angry at my dad, really, other than. And this goes, that probably just goes to show my memory, maybe maybe I was, but but probably because those things never festered because we, immediately I was addressing it. Like, I'm mad. And as a kid, I probably was just throwing a, you know, not a tantrum, but you know what I mean? But when you hit your teens and you're upset, like the fact that you're having a conversation, um, one thing that he always obnoxiously made me do is, is back up my points. Like if I said something at the dinner table, you don't, you, you don't get to just say it. Like, well, what do you mean by that? Prove it. Tell me. Like, give me some information. Look it up. Grab a book. You know, hmm. get the encyclopedia. Show me. You know, um, and so arguing kind of sometimes ended up being a little bit of a sport. You know. Hmm. Yeah,
0: well, I I think it's great, and I mean, the, I think it's great that he's asking you to back it up. I mean, yeah. what a because in my mind, it's a lawyer. Th-
1: it's a lawyer thing. You and my yeah, dad. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. In my mind, I think that that almost that that's that's giving you a level of of respect like okay you have a point let me hear it yeah rather than just dismissing you and saying ah come on that's stupid ryan (laughs) that's dumb you got a point yeah let me hear it let's talk about it um you know with my as my kids are getting older you know when your kids are little you can't really it's you you deal with them differently sure you know but as my kids are getting older it's easier to have conversations or, or to converse with them and interact with them that way. Do you feel like you've, um, like you as a father, I mean, you seem to have a good relationship with both uh, Dylan and Jack.
1: Yeah. Um, Dylan's definitely at that age where he's starting to argue everything. And it's, mm -hmm. and I try to, I try to, I try to do the same things where I go, okay, let's like, let's have a conversation about it. Um, but I'm not sure if I'm as good as I, you know, as as good at it as uh, maybe my dad was, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm. Re- he like I'm remembering, the general theme of being able to, you know, communicate, and I'm missing the times when maybe he was like, "Gosh, ah, shut up," you know? But
0: what do you think is more important, your, the method that you use, or the fact that, you are engaging in this um, conversation with Dylan and. Um, he feels like you engaging with him. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's probably the biggest part of it, right yeah. Being able to actually just have the, the discussions. And the interesting thing is, I mean, it's funny you should, my dad will tell stories about when he was a kid. I mean, my, my mindset is my mindset is, this is the world I live in. I grew up in a middle class family. My dad is a lawyer. He's in the military. We lived in Germany like you did for a little while. Um, and I had a good childhood. Little conflict here, a little conflict there. Got good grades, bad grades, yada, yada, right? Um, And I hear stories about his childhood. And oh my gosh, it's insane. Got kicked out of his house when he was like 14 years old. Lived with his aunt, who was like, who got a divorce from her husband and married a like 17-year-old kid from the Indian Reservation, Hmm. you know, who lived at the house where my dad was living in. I mean, we're talking an incredibly chaotic life. I mean, I mean th- this this life that that then I then I when I if I want to judge this, if I want to not judge, but if I want to uh, analyze this, you'd go, "Whoa. He had every single opportunity to really have a chaotic life even in his own fam- family, uh, my my childhood And he did all these things to make my life better. Whereas you can choose, like you can choose the comfort, you know, or the or what he was used to, which was just chaos. Oh my gosh, his his childhood was. My aunt, my aunt Jill, who runs this children's theater, right? Right. And my dad, they'll sit around and talk, and they will tell these stories that sound like the darkest stories, and they'll be laughing. (laughs) Do you remember when we had to, you know, when Grandpa. You know, got in a fight with grandma and we had to drive to Vegas and pick her up because, you know, blah, 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 blah all this type of stuff. Um, and it was this chaos that was pretty common in their life. And both of them, both Jill and my dad, both, like, really made, it seems like, conscious decisions to create a really good life for their own kids.
0: And, you know, it's interesting you say that because I th- my dad also had a very chaotic life a childhood. I mean, his, both of his parents divorced multiple times. Uh, his, his mom married uh, some prize fighter guy who beat the crap out of my dad multiple times my oh, wow. dad uh, you know so so I look at and he moved around a lot His dad wasn't really present there. His dad was a musician had and um, so I, I look at his life and it was very bad I mean physically abusive it was um, emotionally, abusive, emotionally absent. It was hard, really yeah. hard. And so I, I, I look at that and I look at him now. And to some extent, I think that he has made it better. My childhood is as difficult as I look at my childhood. Sure. As difficult as I see that it was, because it was. I mean, yeah. I feel like there was a lot of, um, it wasn't there emotionally. Uh, you know, And it, but, but I think it was a step up from where he was. Yeah. You know, and...
1: It's hard to judge all this stuff. I mean it's hard it to it's hard to I mean I should say judge. I'm using the word judge, but what I mean is, is it's hard to analyze what how do I I guess judge is a fine word. How do I judge the people in my life um, based on based on the experience that I have with them and based on what tools they had to create you know, yeah. a better experience? I don't know.
0: I don't either, but I like I so I look at my dad and and it was. I feel like it's a step up from where he was. You know, I, I still don't. I still think yeah. there's a lot lacking, and, and so I'm trying to now take a step up. Like I'm, I'm very. I try to be very affectionate with my kids. You mm-hmm. know, I'll hug them when they're leaving, coming back, and um, I try to be very open with them. And like, you can talk to me about anything. Uh, and so, I guess one one principle that I'm 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 learning because I think it's important. You know, that, when I look back at his childhood, it's an exp- it gives me an explanation as to where the, the yeah. difficulty in my childhood from. I don't think it's a justification no, by the way, no. but it's an explanation as to where it went, and I it, it can help me. You know, as I'm going along and trying to repair, eventually want to reconnect and try to repair all of this. It's going to you know that that helps me have um, empathy for yeah. him. You yeah. know, and I just think that. But at some point, like if you, I mean, this is, I've,
1: I've run into this with people in, in, in my life where Beth and I will be having a conversation. Beth, my wife, will be having a conversation um, and, and she'll be talking about an adult, right? Mm-hmm. And she'll say, well, but they had a really hard, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she'll explain this. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But at some point, you need to take responsibility for your so yes your actions. And when they're kids, when kids are acting out in certain ways, you can say to them, "Hey, you know what? They're this poor kid. They're doing this." But at some point, you need to flip the switch and go. Now, when do we start? When now? When do we stop blaming this person's past? Right. Because because at some point, you would have to step in and go. I'm now an adult, and now I need to be responsible for my own decisions, and not just go. Yeah, but I right. had a rough. I mean, but empathetic. It's important to be empathetic.
0: Right, well, I just think but it's... I
1: always wonder about that line.
0: And I don't know where the line exactly is, but for me, I mean... You know, I've, I've tried to be very accountable for my mistakes, and I'm sure that... I mean, and I, and I, I know there's a lot more I need to work on there, uh, but but I try to be very accountable for it. Um, and And so when I look at others and again, and this is, I mean, who are we to judge? But it is important, like for me, I can decide, like, I, I guess for me, you know, what what point should they should we take responsibility for that or should they take responsibility? I, I guess in my mind, I think, well, that's not my question. Yeah. That's their question. Sure, yeah. My question is, how am I going to respond? Yeah. Like, if you don't want to take accountability for it, and you're going to continue to live as if nothing happened, then I need to make a decision on how I'm going to interact with you yeah. or not interact with you. Yeah, for sure. And so that's, for, for me, I guess that's that's how I
1: view that is... If you want them in your life, at exactly. what level... At yeah, what level... Is this a person that is adding to your life right. or subtracting? Right. And that, those are those are tough ones, you know?
0: Yeah, because I think, you know, we talk a lot about forgiveness, and forgiveness I think is important, but I you know another... Aspect I'm learning is you don't want to rush forgiveness. Mm. You don't want to rush forgiveness because um, I think forgiveness is a process, and you need to work through feelings, almost like the stages of grief. You know, mm. and I, and I think it's hard to truly forgive. I I'm not saying it's possible. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I hear stories of people who just forgive.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, who am I to say that they didn't do that or not? But for me, at least, I feel like. I need to process things. I yeah. need to accept what happened. I need to go through the process of like, that hurt me, you know? Yeah. And I want to move to the point where I do want to forgive because I f- that, that is, uh, I think it's hard to live a life if you don't forgive people. Also,
1: if you're doing it, if you're forgiving someone, if you're doing it by, um, because that's what you're supposed to do, the question is, did you really forgive him? Right. You know what I mean. If you if you don't go through your own your own process for that, um, you might be saying the words, but you might be creating a worse problem anyway. Because hey, you forgave me. Now why are you still upset about this or something like that? I don't know. Yeah. But but yeah. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I so you're talking about like you are open to your kids being able to talk to you anytime. Do you do they? Does it seem like they pick you, or take you up on it? Do they talk to you?
0: Yeah. Well, some of them do. Um, my two oldest do.
1: And, and there's personalities in there. Some yeah, are more all, talkers, and some are not. Yeah,
0: like Cruz and Stella. Um, I mean, they, they'll talk to me if I ask them questions. I like get sure. answers, you know. And I, what I what I tell them is, I just say, "Listen, I'm not going to make you talk to me about this stuff." You yeah. know, I'm mean, going through a divorce right now. Is, I mean, obviously, it's emotionally difficult on all of us, on me, on, on Sarah and the kids. It's, it's it's hard, and so I tell them, I like. I try to let them know that you may not feel the chaos right now. Maybe you don't feel that it's impacting you, but it is. Yeah. Um, and it's important to talk about it. And I tell them, I, you know, I, I'm not going to make you talk about it right now, but I'm going to follow up with you regularly. Yeah. And I just want you to know that I'm here. And if you're mad at me, it's okay to tell me. Mm-hmm. I want to know if you're mad at me. It's okay. Because then I can work on, you know, I can address that.
1: Do you get like a, I'm j- I'm fine. No, I'm fine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm, I'm I'm good, I'm fine.
1: Yeah. Um Ian is straight up with me. Yeah. Dad, I'm mad at you
0: because of this.
1: That's cool.
0: It is really that's, cool. That's great. And you know, and sometimes I gotta like step back and I gotta like, breathe, like, okay. <laughs> okay now tell me why you're mad. Yeah. And I just listen. And I and the thing is, is I, I, I hear what he's saying and and I I'm like, you know what, Ian? I get it makes sense why you're mad about that. I get yeah. it. I'd be mad too. You know, and and I'm sorry about that. So I I guess my, and we all make mistakes as parents. I know I made a lot of mistakes. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: And so, but I, I guess the way I approach that is the only, you know, what I want to do as a parent is to apologize when I make a mistake and not to push it off.
1: Yeah.
0: And not just apologize, but apologize with specificity. I'm sorry I did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I shouldn't X. Have, done, I should have done that. I shouldn't have done that. And I also, like if I if I lose my temper and I yell at them or something, yeah. I I try to make the point. I, I do, not try. I do make the point to them like, I am sorry that I did that. You did not deserve to be treated that way. Sure. You didn't deserve that. And I am sorry. And I, I don't know yet because the, the We'll see when they get older, but yeah. I, I feel like you're gonna we're gonna make mistakes, and so how do you how do you you know what do you do to what do we have to set off, set against that? Yeah. And it's just owning your owning your stuff and apologizing and 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 also, being there.
1: It's also a different world that we live. I mean, do you, can you ever imagine your parents coming to you and saying, "Hey, I'm sorry I did this. I shouldn't have treated you like that." No. Yeah.
0: I can actually I remember my dad apologizing to me one time. Yeah. He got mad at me when I was with some friends and he came and he apologized to me which I really appreciated.
1: Yeah. I remember <laughs> one of these things that I can't remember what, I can't even remember the age I was. I just remember the words and because it because it rings in my head um as a now that I'm a, a parent but like I remember my dad saying something like, "Look, they don't give you a manual when you have kids, okay? They don't give you we didn't get we didn't we didn't learn how to deal with all these problems or this or that. So like give me a little bit of a break, you know, and I and and I remember because it was it was a situation where I'm sure I was mad about something, we were we were probably arguing about something, I'd probably done something stupid or whatever the situation was, but it's kind of like a it was a <clears throat> kind of a, a a humorous break to the seriousness of the conversation. So it yeah. made me laugh. Um, and then I think back at that all the time, where I'm like, they really don't give you a handbook for this stuff. They
0: don't. It, and and to, to to that comment, I mean, for him to to say that to you, um, to acknowledge, I mean, that's an acknowledgement that he screwed up somehow. Sure. Yeah. You know, and rather than rather than acting like I'm the adult, you're, you're the child. Yeah. You know, you got the Paul in the New Testament. You children, keep your mouth shut. You know, you're <laughs> yeah. to be seen and not yeah, heard. Seen and not heard. Um, you know, I mean, as, as a parent, you know, obviously we, we we have more life experience than the kids. And so they need that. Yeah. They need that from us. There's an
1: authority component of it that's really important. Right. And you go, well, when does that, when do you start? And it's got to be like, a, I don't know, a, a, what it called, A dimmer switch or something. Yeah, like exactly. A dimmer really s- switch. It's just kind of slowly as we go, yeah. As so. get older,
0: yeah. Um, I was gonna make a point, um, and then I decided to uh, talk about Paul instead. I should have done that. <laughs> well, you
1: you think of your point, and I was just thinking. I had another thought. Um, um, another thing that my uh, that I have a memory of, of, and I don't know. I don't know if this makes him a good parent or not. But I mean, uh, uh, man, my dad bailed me out of situations like a handful of times where I'd screwed up at school Mm -hmm. and he chastised me for it and said, oh, look at your grade or this or that, but then went into the teacher and, like, worked out, like, hey, well, what if we had him do this or this or this, right? And every single time that I was in a bind, if I went to him, he would, you know, there'd be some sort of, you know, I don't know if there's, I don't know what kind of consequences there were. I have very little memory of that. But I remember the stress of life, dropping dramatically once he got involved because I had screwed up, right? So when you talked, I was listening to your podcast and you were talking about unconditional love about your mom, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I was thinking, how does that represent, how does that, um, how does that um, uh, show itself in, in a relationship that we were talking about, about fathers and stuff? And I remember that being something that was just there. This, if I'm ever in trouble, I can go to him and it always seems to be fixed. Now, maybe that's not the, you know, maybe maybe you don't, necess- maybe there's a line where that's not a good thing, right? Where it's like, I can screw up all the time and, yeah. and whatever, right? You can take advantage of that yeah. situation. But I remember that being like a, a, a calming thing when you tap them in and go, I screwed up. <laughs> you know, Well, and it would and fix it.
0: You know? Yeah, and that's kind of goes to the, the, the point I made earlier that you have know, to be able to talk to your parent and to cuz once you share that with somebody then that load you're not you're not carrying that load by yeah. yourself and now you've got an adult who is you've, you know is in theory more competent yeah. and um, and is a protector yeah and so the, to have that comfort and that 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 uh, assurance that okay my dad is involved now it's gonna be okay.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. It's gonna be. I might be. I might be in trouble with right, him. Right. Right. But, but life isn't over. You're not going to jail. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to jail. <laughs> exactly. Um, <laughs> that um, might I, be truer than you think. <laughs> <laughs> tell your stories off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, what I was, the point I was gonna make earlier is, you know, your dad said you don't. It doesn't come with. A, you know, we don't. We don't get these manuals. These these parent, parenting manuals. One thing that I've noticed as well is, you know, the way I parent my kids now is much different than when I parented, at, you know, when Indi was born. Mm-hmm. Indi, my oldest. I mean, the way I interacted with her uh, was much different than the way I, I interact with Ruby. Uh, with her now oh, too. With yeah. her, well, I mean, she's she's twenty now, but then with her, with Ruby, because I, I remember, like, I used to say, I used to say stuff like. Uh, stuff that my dad would say, not just my dad, other adults, maybe it's a generational thing, like like, uh, like she and Ian would get in a fight and Ian would just do something that I thought was innocuous and she would get upset about it and my response to her was, don't be so sensitive, Mm
1: -hmm. you know, and
0: at the time, I didn't think anything about it and it took her and Sarah telling me multiple times, like, you know, that's, Really, kind of rude for you to say that, you know. Just say you'll be sensitive. Don't be, yeah. because it's dismissing her. Yeah. You know, maybe she was being too sensitive, but you know what? It was a problem. Yeah. It hurt her feelings. So let's get down and we'll talk about it. And so I've eliminated I've that out of my repertoire.
1: Do you have a hard time? This is what I have a hard time with. Um, your younger kids, right? Like, let's say Ruby, does she always seem like she's younger than your older kids? Like, Dylan, yes. Dylan always seems older. And now I look at pictures of Jack. Jack with Jack is t- almost ten now. And I look at pictures of Dylan when he was his age, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Like, I thought I didn't think of Dylan as like it always seems like Jack is younger because he's the baby. Or I don't know what it is. No, it's the same 10. thing with
0: me, because so Ruby's twelve. Yeah. And I think about when Indi was twelve, I thought, oh man, this is great. We've got a babysitter. We got someone who can like yeah. shoulder the load now, you yeah, know. And uh-huh. I look at Ruby now, I'm like, She's still, I feel like she's a baby, like Stella's trying out for the Davis soccer team this, this summer. And it seems like just yesterday that Sarah was trying out or Indai was trying out for the Davis soccer team. And I just think she seems so much older Mm -hmm. and more mature. And, um, but yeah, so that's
1: very, it's very weird. And I don't know what it doesn't really, I don't know if it plays into, it probably could play into parenting because I always, I I don't know if I baby or Jack a little bit more, you know?
0: Well, and Um, then there's, there's like, yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. Hey, can I go do this? Eh, sure. sure didn't the yeah, didn't kill the first one. Yeah, didn't kill the first one. Yeah, yeah.
0: And the first, I remember when Indi was born. You know, brand new baby. She was born June twenty eighth, two thousand two, and we had a heat wave like shortly after that. And we were down at, at BYU, and the the Y Mount, the Mount with a Y on it, yeah. like was on fire, and so it was smoky everywhere, but it was like blazing hot. And you know, they said, well, keep the baby skin out of the sun, you mm-hmm. know, and so like. We would like, I like, Sarah, I'm gonna go get the car, I'll pull it up. And like, so <laughs> she'd be, air conditioning going she'll, she'll be holding in die. and then we take a little baby blanket and I'd put it over her face, and then we'd run to the car, you know? <laughs> and now it's like, with, you know, Ruby's on my hip, you know, come on, Ruby, you know, and the fine. sun's blazing down. Just, fine. Yeah, but, um, a
1: little sun kissed.
0: Yeah, a little sun kissed. It's, it's cute on, you know, <laughs> Ruby's got great skin. She yeah. tans up really well. Um, yeah, well, so, this has been fun talking to you about, you know, I, I know your dad. Um, your dad's great. I've always um, felt comfortable around him. It's kind of uh, good to get to know him a little bit better in this context.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, I guess for me at the end of the day, you know, our parents are our parents. And like me, I love my dad. You know, like I said, things are kind of on ice right now. Sure. And, you know, I got some other things I'm dealing with. And I... Eventually I'll you know, I'll try to re engage and we'll see how, how that goes. I uh, well, life I, isn't static, right? Right, right. right. And right. I, I know he loves you know? me. Yeah. Regardless of regardless of the difficult times we have, I know he loves me and I love yeah. him. But it's just right now I, I need to take a break from that dynamic. Sure. And um Yeah. So I appreciate your sitting down with me. Hey, talking about. I'll sit about, down any time. All right. Uh, that's what uh, Beth says. You sit down a lot.
1: <laughs> She's like, could you get up and help me? Like, Please. Come on. I teach high school. Like, look, hello. I teach high school. I've got, I've got hundreds of children. Yes. <laughs> you have two. Yeah. You come have on. two. Come on.
0: <laughs> well, um, and, and I'll tell whoever listens to this that he's also a Hemingway um, fan. Yeah. A oh, yeah. Fan. Yeah. Ficionado maybe? Sure,
1: sure. Yeah. Could we do a, what is it, a Hemingway File? I don't know. Heming... Hemingway File, file
0: yeah. Did <laughs> you do Hemingway Book Club.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, it, not Well, I was talking to Beth, and she was saying, she's like, do you remember this Hemingway book where blah, 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 this happened? And I was like, you know what? I binged Hemingway for like a year, <laughs> and now these stories in my head have kind of merged in certain situations. I'm like, oh, was that this book or that book? And so, now I'm like, okay, I need to kind of separate it and go back and read them again. Um, so I, you know, I can have distinct memories because I really went on a Hemingway just like for a year. I was just reading just his stuff, you know.
0: little story about Hemingway real quickly. So this was a couple months ago. I was having a really hard day. And um, Ian, Ian was at home with me and, and he could tell that, uh, that I was not well. And he said, hey dad, so, I, by the way, I'm going to end this on a very emotional note. So, yeah. so no, no more, <laughs> no more jokes. Uh, I'll turn them off. Yeah. Well, you got any more before I f- continue? No, no, I'm good. All done. Okay. And so, he said, "You okay, Dad?" He just looked at me, and, and I said, "No." And I just lost it. Just started crying. Just, just uncontrollably. And he just came over and he sat next to me and just sat. And then he got up and went to my bookcase there in my room and pulled off, uh, pulled down uh, For Whom the Bell Tolls. flipped to the end, um, the, the, the end scene after Robert Jordan's horse gets shot out, falls down and breaks yeah. his femur, you know, and he's crawling up with, with the other people. They're trying to escape, they just blew up the bridge. The, uh, uh, I guess it's the fascists are coming, are chasing him down and Maria, his love interest in the book, is there and she's and uh, she's just saying uh, you come on come with me and Robert Jordan saying to her no no you you go you know you go with me I will be with you you know Mm -hmm. you go and I will be with you and and she says no I'll stay here he says you you will be with me here you go and and we'll go and and it's just a really emotional scene. Uh, and, you know, sorry, Ian, I'm going to tell this, but um, <laughs> Ian starts crying when he's reading it. And he says, Dad, you know, we need to have these connections with people to where we feel this, where we, where we, where basically where we can be, we can have, we can be connected to somebody enough to where we can say, go, I'll be with you in the face of death. And, um, I love Hemingway for that because <laughs> he touched my son who was able to talk to me and kind of, you know, we can have, you know, we do, we need to have these relationships with our children and with our f- friends and our family where in the face of death, we can say my relationship with you, our connection, that makes it so I can face this without absolute dread and terror. Yeah. You go with me, I will be with you. I'll stay here, you'll be with me. And anyway, I that I was really grateful for that moment, grateful for uh for uh Hemingway's it's a beautiful scene. If any of you haven't read For Whom the Bell Tolls, sorry, I just gave the ending away, but <laughs> read it. It's an amazing book.
1: Well, so, I mean, just the how how old's Ian? Seventeen. Well, I mean it's pretty clear that he's you, you've taught him well.
0: Well, I don't know that I taught him He's you, um, he's been like that since he was born. Yeah, yeah. He's reading Hemingway, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. He's <laughs> he uh when he was twenty months old, we Sarah had been making like um, shredding coconut and cooking it on the skillet, you know, mm. and he was eating it. So he was twenty, also yeah, twenty months old, and we're driving. And he's in the back seat. And all of a sudden, this full, complete sentence. I want more cocoa, my dada. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> complete <laughs> sentence. No. Like, what up? Punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grammatically correct. <laughs> and then when I was studying for the bar, he was three. I was studying for the bar. He had just turned three. And uh, I remember I was in the room studying, and the rule was, don't interrupt me. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear the door open a little bit. And a little three-year-old Ian. No, he wasn't. Even three yet, and he would not have. Why well, he probably just just turned three. Pokes his head in and says, "Study well, Dad. <laughs> Study well." <laughs> oh, man That's so great. good. So good. Anyway, all right. Well, Ryan, thank you. Yeah. appreciate it. And um, I appreciate all of you who, who took the time to listen to this. And if you have any thoughts or comments, I'd love to hear them. You can email me at poetdelayed at gmail.com. Also, if any of you are interested, I've uh, got a couple of books that I just finished. They're available where fine books are sold as long as that place is amazon.com. <laughs> and uh, anyway, thank you.